A bitter aging couple with the help of alcohol used their young house guests to fuel anguish and emotional pain towards each other over the course of a distressing night. Coming in at number 67 on AFI's Top 100 Movies list is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? So raise your glass. Here's drinking with you, kid. Hey, Conrad. <laughs> that was short and sweet. It was short and sweet. <laughs> I don't need to give the whole plot. We're going to mm. be talking about it anyway. All right. Well, first, our drink <laughs> is a good old cup of coffee. Delicious. Which these people could have used throughout the entire... They did have it at one point. They did have it at one point. Well, did anybody actually drink it? I don't remember Other than what's her face? It. Honey. Honey. Oh, sweet honey. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, so just your favorite cup of coffee. That's what you can watch. It feels weird if we had actually picked a drink. Uh, With a movie about. Yeah, yeah. about this. People struggling. Um, I honestly did not want to drink at all during this movie um, because it was very uncomfortable. All right. This was released in 1966. It was based on Edward Albee's play of the same name that came out in 1962 during this year do you know what was happening what year 1966 (laughs) i'm so glad i have your attention right now 1966 um uh cuban missile crisis uh it was shortly uh this was after that oh yeah, but that was more um, like 61, wasn't it? I don't it? know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I knew it happened in the 60s. So the Miranda rights came into being after the Supreme Court overturned the conviction on June 13th of a confessed rapist. Okay. There you go. The U.S. Department of Transportation was created. Batman with Adam West. Kaboom! Debuted on ABC. I used to love that show. Did you? I watched it all the time as a kid. I mean, I love Adam West, just but that's from Family Guy. Oh right. Um, NASA launched Lunar Orbiter One, the first U.S. spacecraft to orbit the moon, and Ronald Reagan entered politics, becoming the governor Governor of California. Cali. Films that were released that year: The Bible. Kind of. I thought it was older than that. Jesus. <laughs> Hawaii. The Sand Pebbles. Sounds horrible. I, this is a list of things, not movies. No, these are movies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bible. We got Bible, pebbles, Hawaii, and Sand Hawaii. Pebbles. Then we have A Man for All Seasons. Oh. I'll have... be your girl for all seasons. Oh, nice. All the years. I'm very singy today. Uh, you really are. <laughs> and Alfie was another one. Oh, and our guest. That's kind of perfect. Oh. That's adorable. Books that came out. The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> by, by Robert A. Heinlein. Heinlein? Heinlein? I don't know. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead by mm. Tom Stoppard. The Crying of Lot 49 by Thomas Pynchon. The Chosen by Chaim Potok. And The Effective Executive, The Definitive Guide to Getting the Right Things Done. I mean, other than Rosencrantz, had you heard of any of these books? No. Okay. No, on. I have actually heard of The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. I've never mm. read it, but I heard of it. TV, you know what's going to be on this list. 
It's on Bonanza. Every, yes, it's on every <laughs> freaking list. Bonanza, The Red Skelton Hour, The Andy Griffith Show, The Lucy Show, and The Jackie Gleason Show. They were very clever with their titles back then. Hmm. Music. Okay, get ready. Mm. California Dreamin'. Good one. By the Mamas and the Papas. Last Train to Clarksville mm. by the Monkees. Yeah. Reach Out, I'll Be There by the Four Tops. Mm. These boots are made for walking. Oh, good year for music. Good old Nancy. And then her dad, Frank, did Strangers in the Night. Strangers in the Night. Exchanging glances. Why do you know the words? Because I'm not Did y'all do that with the singing cadets? Mm, no. No, we never. We did a Barry Manilow medley once. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Uh, I love it. But nothing masculine like. <laughs> <laughs> nothing like. <laughs> I'm so shocked. Okay, celebrities born that year. There were a bunch. Adam Sandler, Selma Hayek, John Favreau. Helena Bonham Carter, Kiefer Sutherland, mm. Robin Wright, my personal favorite, John Cusack, mm. Lloyd Dobler himself, Halle Berry, and Patrick Dempsey were all born this year. So this movie, AFI lists, it's on only two of the lists. It did not make the original top 100 movies list. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's number 67 on this one, and then it's number 89 on Passions. I feel like it should be a lot higher. I mean, it is very intense. It's extremely passionate. Maybe not in the loving way. <laughs> right. Maybe There's in the other way. Passion. But there is some passion going on. This was based on Edward Albee's Broadway play of the same name. But there's also, I read that someone, and I don't know who these people are, but there were two people that inspired Edward Albee <laughs> for the characters of George and Martha. Okay. Which I would be horrified. His mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Their names were Willard Moss and Marie Minkin. I would be horrified if Albie came named to me, me by name. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> named them by name and said that they were like George and Martha, who are kind of terrible. I don't know. We'll get into that. So the cast, Martha was played by a young 33-year-old Elizabeth Taylor as a 52-year-old housewife. Wild. What the hell? Wait, is she specifically, you said, you said 52, but 52, is she that, I don't supposed think to be that she's age? She's supposed to be 52. That's how she was oh. described in Edward Albee's play. Oh, wow. So she is supposed to be that age. Well, she gained she 30 pounds for the role. Um, Edward Albee actually fi- uh, fired the first cinematographer that he had. Um, because the guy was trying to beautify her, and he was like, no, 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 no. Or not Edward Albee, Mike Nichols, the director, fired the first cinematographer. George was played by her husband in real life, Mm. Richard Burton. Saga. That was a messy, messy marriage. Um, Full of passion, very much like I saw an article, um, I forgot who it was, maybe Vogue, that did their relationship in fashion. Timeline. Oh. And it's pretty amazing. And it's like the epitome of like glamour. I mean. In all um, in all aspects on. over the decades. It's it's pretty great. God. Nick was played by George Siegel. 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 Yeah. Yes. Who was the ex husband in looking look who's talking. He played oh the my God. he played like that shithead. Wasn't like, he on a TV show like in yes, the nineties? He was in uh what's that? One with What's-His-Face. Honey was played by Sandy Dennis. Mm. I'd never known her before or after this. Yeah, she really hadn't done... I looked her up and she hadn't really... Mm -mm. 
Um, Elizabeth Taylor does consider this movie to be her personal best in her career, and I would honestly agree. It's great. Uh, the crew director was Mike Nichols. He also will see him again with The Graduate when we cover mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was his directorial got debut. This was his first movie. And can you imagine your first movie being with these heavy hitters? Yeah. Like, that's insane. He actually performed in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in 1980. Oh, no. As George. In a, oh. In a production at the Long Wharf Theater. Oh, not not a Broadway Reproduction. No. Oh. So the writer obviously was Edward Albee. He wrote the play, but Ernest Lehman adapted it for the screen. It's almost like a word for word. I would assume adaptation. However, the help. play has a lot more cussing in it, oh. and the Movie Picture Association of America was like, "Censors, mm, you can't, you guys can't do that." So instead of "fuck you," it was "screw you." Got in it. In the movie, things like Mm-mm. that. Um, but Ernest Lehman, we have seen him. Well, I guess we haven't done these movies yet, but I know that you and I have both seen these movies. North by Northwest, West Side Story, that. and The Sound of Music. He did the um, adaptations for them. Or I guess the original is North by Northwest. The, the screenplay. The screenplay. The screenwriter. Yes. Got it. The cinematographer, like I said, was Haskell Wexler. He actually replaced the previous one. But we'll see him come up in in The Heat of the Night and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. mm this comes in at two hours and 11 minutes. Common Sense Media says 16 plus. I agree with that. This was actually the first movie to be given a warning by MPAA, which was no one under 18 will be permitted unless accompanied by a parent. This was the first movie for that. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, 96%. Okay. It said the consensus is led by a volcanic performance from Elizabeth Taylor. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is a scathing adaptation of the Edward Albee play that serves as a brilliant calling card for debuting director Mike Nichols. Now, I don't like that consensus because really it just tells us like who's in it and who directed it. So I found one good review from, or there were many, but I picked one good review from Stanley Kaufman of the New York Times. He said it was one of the most scathingly honest American films ever made. It is scathingly honest. It's really heightened. It, yeah. I mean, it's like extreme. It is. We'll get into that. <laughs> A bad review. Andrew Saris of The Village Voice back in 2015 oh, said, Nichols has actually committed all the classic errors of the sophisticated stage director let loose on the unsophisticated movies. For starters, he has underestimated the power of the spoken word in his search for visual pyrotechnics. What movie did he see? Mm-hmm. Visual pyrotechnics? What are you talking think, about? Like, I know that maybe Edward like the, Albee... There's like a, a lot of like swirling camera shots. Maybe. But that adds to the mayhem. Edward Albee hated the overhead shots. Mm. Which there were... Especially in that last part when George was missing. We'll get into it. Anyway, other actors considered for the role. See if you can see any of these people. George, Jack Lemmon. Okay. James Mason. No clue. Albie was really pushing for him. Cary Grant. Ooh. North by Northwest. Henry Fonda. Mm-hmm. Like him a lot more than his son. Um, <laughs> Arthur Hill, who was the original George on Broadway. And then ah. Peter O'Toole. I could totally see Peter mm-hmm. O'Toole. You don't know who. Yeah. Oh, you do know? Yeah. What have you seen him in? Nothing. Okay, there we go. 
<laughs> but I know the name. Okay, well, that's good. We, we will see him soon with your friend okay. Jack. He's in Lawrence Lord, of Arabia, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I knew that. Martha, Catherine Hepburn. I mean. You know my love for that woman. So but weird. she, he, Albie wanted her for the play, and he sent her the script. And I do admire this. She wrote him back and said, the script is much better than I am. Oh. Which, damn, that's pretty amazing. Betty Davis, hmm. which would have been really funny, because you know that first Yeah, line, that she's like imitating Betty yeah. Davis. Yeah, so that Albie thought that would Which she kind of did a good job of imitating. She really did. <laughs> Ingrid Bergman. Okay. Um, I so like every so Hollywood every actress in the 60s. Rosalind Russell. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Nick, Robert Redford. For I the could, young Nick. I, I could see that. Could but he said no because he hated it. <laughs> okay. So fuck you, Robert Redford. Warren Beatty, who as, I mean, talk about a beautiful man when he was younger. For Honey, Connie Stevens really pushed for this role. Who is she? Um, sing- she, she was did in singing, um, right? Like, um, did singing? You know she I'm did singing. singing. <laughs> okay, so we've got the girl who she did, did singing. some singing. She really wanted Honey. Director. There were actually two other people. There was John Frankenheimer and Fred Zinnerman that were both approached to direct this movie. It won the Academy Awards. It won was Best Actress oh, for Elizabeth right. Taylor. Okay, Who's I know I know Connie Stevens from Grease too. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> she plays the Vava Boom teacher. Yes, Ms. thank Mason. you, thank you. That is <laughs> that's fine. That's what we know her from. Um, so Elizabeth Taylor won Best Actress, obviously. Best Supporting Actress went to Sandy Dennis. It won for Best Cinematography. It was the last black and white movie to win. Oh, okay. That's and cool. I thought to myself, wait, what about Schindler's List? But that does go into color at the end, and it's got the red girl through it. So it's not technically well, all black also- and white. Best Art and Set Direction and Best Costume. I don't really understand that. But here's something interesting. Neither actress was at the award ceremony. So it was nominated for Best Picture. It lost to A Man for All Seasons. Um, Richard Burton lost, which shocks me because he was he was pretty amazing, incredible in this movie. He lost to Paul Schofield in A Man of All Seasons. I've never heard of this Man for All Seasons movie. Um, It's well, best. I know it's not surprising, but um, best supporting actor Walter Matthau beat uh, George in The Fortune Cookie. Mm. Don't know that one. Best director went to Fred Zinnerman for A Man for All Seasons, which he was offered, who's afraid of Virginia mm. Woolf. So I guess he picked the right one. Is this movie on AFI? No. No, right? Okay. Best adapted screenplay. It lost to A Man for All Seasons. Mm-hmm. It lost Best Sound, Best Film Editing to Grand Prix, and it lost Best Original Score to Born Free. I didn't really notice any of that, so sure. The I score? Guess the score. It lost Best Original Score. Because there really wasn't much score. of a score. No, there okay. wasn't. Um, other Best Picture nominees that year were Alfie, The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, and The Sand Pebbles. <laughs> Sand Pebbles just sound Never awful. heard of any of them. First impression, did you like the movie? I did. It was um, chaotic. Yes. <laughs> and good way to describe it. Um, intense. Mm-hmm. It was funny. It was, it was funny. much funnier than I expected it to be. It was funny and it was so... Like laugh out loud. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like some of the quotes, the writing for this is is, is pretty fantastic. It's it, pretty and perfect. It's pretty surprising that it lost. Right? Yeah. I need to see this A Man for All Seasons. I refuse. I, it's kind of like... You know um, what? It's the Out of Africa. It's the Out of Africa the of, of 1964. You're absolutely right. Two. 66. 66, Conrad. <laughs> Shit. All right. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to bring on our guest. <laughs> All right, welcome back. We have our guest today. I know him as Alf Chable, but his recording on his voicemail <laughs> says Alfonso Chable. Oh. So what is it, Alf? You will always be Alf. Well, you know, there's something very endearing about the people that call me Alf, uh, but to the people that don't know me from that part of my life, <laughs> Alfonso will do just fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Leave it in the past, so, Aaron. Alf, tell Leave me. Leave it in the past. <laughs> Never. Tell me how we know each other. So, well, I mean, you know, uh, theater, high school, we dated a little bit after high school, during high school. <laughs> um, uh, but then we just kept up with each other through the years. I, I know that I was always so incredibly uh, uh interested in what you were performing in and what you were doing and um i guess uh, more than anything theater was the sort of the underlying uh connection at least initially i totally agree with that but that was the wrong answer you were supposed to say you're my favorite ex-girlfriend okay so there he's was, not a liar so the subtext <laughs> So the subtext of everything I just said Thank you. was that. Obviously. Thank you. Um, yes, we actually, I remember we met your senior year, my junior year, mm-hmm. um, and we were in a musical theater class together. Mm-hmm. And then one day, Conrad, this is for your enjoyment. One day, like at, I don't know if you had this in high school where you had to ask people like in clever ways to dances. Um, I did do a scavenger hunt for Sonia G for Sonia G. Oh, that's really sweet. Hey, it, we, we asked in clever ways in high school as well, like scavenger hunts, but Alf asked me in my favorite way. He had a friend of his who I later ended up dating Lee. Oh. I know, man, you get around. I, I Oof. date man or dated. Uh. Uh, shut Lee dressed up as a chicken and came into my math class and said, had a sign that said, I'm a friend of Alf's. Will you go to prom with him? And I was like, what is happening? Because I had been sleeping, obviously. (laughs) I was like, wait, I don't understand what's going. And I thought I knew who he was, but I wasn't 100% sure. So I went to Kathy, who he actually dated, (laughs) Alf. That's true. Very briefly. Yes. Okay. Before he came out. Yes. Yes. Before (laughs) back. Way back when. Way back when. And Kathy was like, you know him. He's in our... She was so excited because she just adored Alf. She was like, he's in our musical theater class. This is so fun. So I had my friend Jenny dress up as a cow and go into one of his classes with a big sign that said, yes. (laughs) That's great. And then our first date was to see James and the Giant Peach. Do you remember all this? Yes. Okay, good. Um, Do you know why chickens are so funny? Why? Because... (laughs) Dear sweet Lord, I'm using that. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I have one for you. Okay. 
Why do we never see elephants hiding in trees? Because mm. they're so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I can't. All right. <laughs> um, um, Alf, how many of the top 100 movies have you seen? I think I went somewhere around 20. Oh, okay, low I think baller. that's our lowest. <laughs> <laughs> low ball. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you consider yourself a movie buff? Or not necessarily? Not really. See, that's tough. When it comes to the movies I like, I just don't think that they make the popular... Mm. Like, okay, so here are my favorite movies. True Romance. Oh, it's Ghostbusters. Amazing. Mm. Gladiator. Oh, that's a Fantastic. great movie. Fantastic. Was nominated to be on the top <clears throat> yeah. 100. Okay, so what would you say is your favorite genre? I mean, do you have oh, one or is it? Like, there's, n- there's not one specific genre that attracts me. And there's not one specific, like, director or type or anything like that that, like, I go for. That's why, like, looking through this list, it was like, oh, man, I should watch that movie. I should watch that movie. I- All right, so let's break down. Well, first, what was your first impression? This was your first time to see it, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Man. First, my, my, when, okay, so as stuff was going on, there were some times where I caught myself thinking to myself, I have been in toxic relationships like this. Right. I have been in drunken arguments like this. I have been in drunken manipulative scenarios like this. And then when the movie was over, I was like, wow, I really feel sorry for both of them. Like it was sad. Yeah. Like like it was very, very, like, like by, and you don't get to that point. You don't find that cathartic sort of turn mm-hmm. until the last two minutes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. For um, me, anyway. I completely agree. Conrad definitely has a different opinion about the ending. Yeah. About how that played out. Well, um, what is it? <clears throat> well, I mean, I think what my opinion is... It differs from what you're talking about because I do agree with with this kind of like ending of like putting the pieces together of where each of their trauma is coming from or each of their um, what's the word resentment of each other right. is coming from um, I think is explained a lot more towards the end um, I just had an issue with the the son and like oh that he never existed and that he never existed completely yeah spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) now why do you think this is called who's afraid of virginia wolf i looked that up because yeah i was curious and edward albee is quoted yeah uh, as saying that he had seen it scrawled in soap on a mirror yeah um and he was writing the play at the time and he said, you know, obviously it's a play on who's afraid of the big bad wolf, you know, um, saying who's afraid of living life without false illusions. Yeah. And he felt it was very kind of universal university intellectual kind of joke. I was going to say them being like professors, they would find it. Right. So this is one of those movies. You had mentioned this Alf about how this is one of those that felt like you were watching a play. Yeah. The, the, and and the reason why it felt like I was watching a play, and I, I kind of want to elaborate on that, is because as a former 
actor, I think that it was really cool to see something that was a play be dramatized into a movie and me knowing that it was a play, see how incredibly awesome they made all the little deliberate things that they did to make each character as realistic as possible to that moment and to the relationship that they had with each other. I guess in other words, it was really cool to see little things like Elizabeth Taylor, you know, randomly stuffing cookies into a drawer because she didn't want to clean up her bedroom. Yes. No, that's you how know. I clean a lot. Yeah. It's just- <laughs> but, but those little moments were, yeah. were very, were very stage yeah. theatery, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yet at the same time, they were very nuanced to the kind of absurdist crap I know I would do when I was drunk and right. trying yeah. to tidy up before right. people were coming over to my apartment. Yeah. Throwing the clothes under the sheets, like just, you know, and behind yeah. the chair. I, I mean, I collected all my clothes and I put it on the chair right there. You did. <laughs> so, so those, I watched you. I <laughs> so I get, I guess, I guess those little moments felt really like theatrical. Yeah. And yet, realistic and and appropriate and nuanced at the same time well the type of dialogue too just is like okay yes. this is play dialogue yes <laughs> you know what i mean well like, i mean there are monologues and, in it and yeah and also it's like you know minimal scenes i don't yes. know about the play itself if they show them in a dance they you are know, dance in hall martha or, and george's that's what i assume the entire time that's what i assume play. yeah yeah, and there were some differences between the play. I mean, that was a big one, uh, was that there was no scene in the roadhouse. It all takes place in their apartment. Um, obviously, they had to change some of the language. And there was also, oh, you never know Nick's name in the play. Really? Nope. And then a major monologue of Martha's was cut from the movie. Which I'm really curious what, what was the, that we don't know what the monologue was. Mm. No, was it was it a was it a was it an editing table decision or no. was it a writing decision? It was a it was... writing decision. Oh, so we'll never have access to we'll that. Never, unless we see the play. Then we'll see it. Well, I mean, surely the, the script for the play is out there somewhere. On, oh, yeah. Online. You can find the script for the play. Um, and in fact, they just did... Um, I don't know if they actually did the revival. They didn't. Because of 2020, right? Yeah. And it was going to be Lori Metcalf. Which... I think that would be can amazing. do no wrong to. For I me. mean, she can do no wrong Aunt for Jackie, what? For Martha, I I think I she disagree. can play crazy. Really? No, Laurie Metcalf for Martha. Nope. Oh, wow. Nope. Really? So one of the things that I really loved, and and I am not. I, I may get some booze on this one. Oh, this is going to be. A, um, Don't. Touch I am it. not a huge Elizabeth Taylor fan. I'm just not. Well, I, well not this has been a Catherine. great episode, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but, but one of the reasons why she is perfect as Martha is because, in my opinion, and from what I'm, I'm, when I'm watching it, what I'm experiencing is I see her as this almost entitled, beautiful, rich mm-hmm. university, right. yes, university who, who was, who has suddenly you know, taking on the physical sort of sort of uh, uh, characteristics of her life. 
and yeah. where she was once beautiful and young and 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 you know desirable now she is she is she is she is driven by her personality and driven by her 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 resentments and she's driven by her sexuality and her repression and yeah, I don't. I don't know that a Lori Metcalf can can give out those vibes. I, I can just. Actually see that. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. That's a fair point. I don't yeah. think. I don't think that that Lori Metcalf in this role seduces Nick, and I don't think that Nick responds to the physical attraction. Wow. I can actually totally okay. see that. Well, let me now scratch you... her name off my recast <laughs> list. Um, I'm just saying, yo. <laughs> well, those are valid points. And Thanks I accept for them. for turning this all on its head. Okay. <laughs> delete, 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 delete. Okay. Rethink um, my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we start our first big thing that happens is... They have, you know, we see George and Martha together in their relationship, and it's very, like, extreme both ways. You know, one minute she's really wanting to kiss on him and love on him and all of this stuff, and then the next minute they're screaming at each other, or she's screaming at him. He seems very much like a doormat when we first meet them, you know, just The whole movie. Well, until he tries to fucking strangle her. It's not a doormat then. Well, right. Well, I think it's a, it's a doormat pushed to his limit. To, and that's, yes. you know, how he reacts, which yes. is not a condonement of the behavior, obviously. But um, he was definitely pushed. But he there. was belittled and emasculated she, oh and put down and condescended. And yeah. just, I, I mean, oof. <laughs> I mean, some of the things that she would say to him, like when she was um, teasing him, uh, she called him like swampy, like swampy, swamp, like my cigarette, like just do. And she kind of did the same thing with Nick when the houseboy situation. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah. When she says I have one, I I made a list of like insults by Martha and insults by George. And he was. I did. Oh, and he was actually. I feel much more insulting to her, but in a very like in a reactionary way, though. I in feel. a reactionary, uh, not because all the time. well, because there's a there's a point in the in the movie where she says, you know, I or maybe he, I, f- I forgot who says it, that she he learns to play the game as well as she does even when she changes the rules of the game. Right. So it seems like she is in that driver's seat of saying, I'm going to push, I'm going to push the limit here. And then he's going to react in that certain way. And then, then they're on equal footing. So then she's going to take it up a notch. Right. And then he takes it up a notch. And that's kind of what we saw throughout the movie. He wouldn't have gone to quote unquote, kill the son, you know, if she hadn't, (laughs) pushed it to a limit at the the dance hall well and she broke the one rule they had Which, oh with the sun i know i <laughs> love it anyway so yeah she's um extremely fiery i think we could use to describe her a little vulgar um but that's the first thing we see when we see the guests because that's when it really picks up before that i feel like we're just kind of peeking in through the window at this couple and just being like, damn, there's a lot of baggage there. I don't know why 
there's a lot of baggage. But then we see them with this couple that's coming over because her father, who's the president of the university, said that this would be a good thing, like that they need to socialize with these people. I don't think he meant at 2.30 in the morning, but he kind of encouraged this connection because we have the history associate professor. And then he was a professor of biology, right? But they kept saying math. (laughs) Well, she thought it was math. And uh, George kept saying, kept kept flipping it. Well, because, you know, in in his like drunkenness, he kept flipping words almost throughout the entire movie. So, yeah, we um, see the fights start being set off in front of the guests. And one thing that Edward Albee um, said during a talk back after the play is that couples constantly put on masks, um, play kind games when they're in front of guests, right? Um, you know, they kind of feed off each other, but in a polite kind of with the mask on that everything's good. Whereas these people were just kind of the opposite. Um, so my first question is, have you ever been in a party situation where you argued with your significant other in front of other people? Mm. Yes. <laughs> is this directed me or you? This is both of you. I mean, yeah. Not not currently. Nick and I have always said, you know, we will not argue in front of right. people. That is not who we are. That is not what we do. Um, but uh, my marriage ex, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, was very much that Yeesh. and i i hated it i i i'm like i you know i grew up my family was very like huh you know like uh you everything's know we're perfect great. everything is great mm-hmm. you know and um and uh so i was not used to to that and he would he knew it and he was Mm-hmm. antagonistic and poke and prod until he'd get that response and he'd you know mm-hmm. push further push further push further until you would you blow know, up yeah yeah Yeesh. have you Alf? i think for as for as many dysfunctional relationships as i've been in i've been very fortunate enough to have had the women in my life emotionally castrate me in the car as opposed mm. to in public so oh. there's <laughs> quite the phrasing yeah yeah (laughs) i just i mean that's yeah awkward i know like one of your exes is sitting here i never no 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 no. talking about you aaron he stares me down why you're not his favorite ex (laughs) (laughs) that's why he's the happiest you're his ex (laughs) all false statements you're the best Aaron. thank you um but but i think that I think that there's there's a there's a, a a very real component to all couples in general. Just going wrapping back around to what you just said, where you know, when you're a couple, you're not just a couple for each other. You're sort of a couple, and for the people around you, you're a couple yeah. for your parents. You're a couple for for your you know, you know your friends. You're a couple for for the waiter when you you right, know when right. when you when he walks up to your table and you know the last thing that most couples want to do is present an image of uh, dysfunction of dysfunction. You know, don't want to show the chinks under the armor. You mm-hmm. know that kind of thing. And it, I think it's a it's a natural human component to want to you know put the best face forward 
Although I think that, that what Mr. Albee does in, in this particular play is he really spotlights the contrast between what it means to be picture perfect with Nick and Honey and what it means to be on the other side of the coin, which is George and Martha. Yeah. Yeah. Do you kind of look at George and Martha as a preview for Nick and Honey? Oh. That this is something that could easily... I mean, because if you look at, you know, George um, marrying Martha, her father was the president of the university. Like, there were... Other a lot reasons. of parallels. Yeah. And then Nick definitely married Honey. I mean, he said for her family's money, um, he thought she was pregnant. I think I think that as a general rule of thumb, in most relationships, any unresolved resentment for any extended period of time will result in a certain amount of conflict down the road. Yes. And that's either going to manifest itself overtly or it's going to manifest itself passive aggressively yeah and i think this play does a really great or this movie does a really great job of showing both (laughs) yes yeah i totally agree with that um we find out like as they're just plying them with alcohol i mean they're guests you know and then george and martha i don't know how they're standing at this point I do want to ask you, Alf, for those who don't know, you are a recovering alcoholic. How mm-hmm. long have you been in recovery? Uh, Ten years this past September. Wow. Yay, that's so that's exciting. Great. Oh, my it gosh. Is. When did you have your first drink? Oh, shit. Like, my first drink, I think I was, like, seven years old. Or, no, maybe I was, like, 12 years old at... A restaurant that my dad owned and he let me have a sip of a frozen margarita okay and i really liked it okay but to be fair frozen margaritas, margaritas are delicious, are delicious. <laughs> they really are delicious i mean it was like it was like a liquidy sweet tart yeah. <laughs> and i will say this at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. there was a really really relatable first 10 to 15 minutes where I feel like there were a lot of like relationships where we walked in mm-hmm. to our p- apartment and did almost exactly all the same things that that couple did. Really? Like there, there were a couple of moments of just instant nostalgia in the yeah. worst possible way yeah. <laughs> of, 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 you know, reliving, you know, the go get, make me a drink, you know, I'm yeah. going to go upstairs for a second and then come back to, and then who's coming over. Wait, what, who did I meet? Wait, right, what, right. What, who was I talking to? Or, uh, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that whole thing. What time is it? Two thirty in the morning. Are you serious? You know, that, yeah. that whole scenario played out and I felt like, like it's sort of a universal moment for, Couples gone out drinking too long, yeah. meet people they don't necessarily want to invite over, but do invite over, and then get ready to see them. So when you would get into these relationships that I would say were toxic, mm-hmm. right, do you think it was the alcoholism that kind of drove it there to like seek out these toxic relationships? Or was there more? Because like with this couple, for example, with George and Martha, 
I feel like, yes, of course, alcoholism played a huge part in the dynamics of their relationship. But I also think there was a lot underneath that. So one of the things that I really, like, that I really, I guess, connected with, or at least, you know, had some level of of understanding for George and Martha was the fact that, you know, left unresolved those resentments fester Mm -hmm. and and i found it really really interesting that mr albie kept adding more and more booze to them yeah like that's a like that's a distinct creative choice to keep adding more and more alcohol yeah like as he was writing as he was writing this he said you know what they they need to get more drunk there needs mm. to be more catalyst. There needs to be more gasoline in this fire. Yeah. And there's nothing that does that more. Because because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that the next morning of all of those horrible, hor- after all the horrible, horrible things George and Martha said to each other, the next morning there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. Yeah. There's a lot of regret. There's a lot of really qu- awkward, quiet moments that they mm-hmm. don't know how to deal with. And that's probably the cycle of their relationship yeah at some on some level not like every night but like every time they do this then this happens and then this happens and then they're probably good for four or five days until they got to repeat the cycle all over again and yeah you know and then they they all those horrible things pop back up and they pull the scab and they hurt each other and then they drink until they can't remember what they said to each other or they do and mm-hmm. then they wake up the next day and feel horrible and then just keeps going and going and going so yeah. i thought it was really cool that mr albie just saw that saw that if he was going to expose these people and if he was going to and if he was going to make honey and nick comfortable enough to stick through this because if i was sober i would have fucking left yes. like 10 minutes into this shit that was yeah but but what do they do to get honey to stay every time? They offer her more brandy. Yeah. yeah. Every time every time she just gets oh like they're about to leave or something mm-hmm. like that, there's more booze added. Yeah. And that and and suddenly honey like well, yay. God, she, <laughs> she was crazy. Was such a little weirdo yeah. in a wonderful way. Oh my god. All right. So um we're gonna be circling back to that because I do have more questions. But the next big thing that happens is we see George and Nick outside. You know, that's the next big conflict, yeah. and they're talking. And that's where Nick says, you know, that he full-on married her for her family's money and that she had a hysterical pregnancy. So that is an actual thing. It's called pseudosciasis, mm. something like that. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, <laughs> so it's where you do experience... You know, some things. Now, I do... Like bloating? I didn't really understand it. She was bloated? there may be a sudden weight gain, you may skip your period. You may... It's where your body is almost acting. It's also, I think, a psychological thing. I think I know what you're talking about. Are you talking about how they kept on talking about the puffiness? Or yeah. The, or the, yeah. Or the, or the, I, I took that as kind of like a euphemism oh. for, for being pregnant because they never say pregnant. In the, in the movie, they don't say pregnant. They said she was pregnant puffy or she got big or she did this yeah. and that. they never used the word pregnant and i noticed that or maybe but they did say hysterical pregnancy yeah okay they did yeah. say that but when but when but when or george was referencing it he kept on saying oh did you get big or did you get puffy or did mm-hmm. you get did you get oh at the dance hall yeah 
Yeah. Well, he because he was like he was he was, he was in was like maniacal mode. Nipples. Was he just prodding? I wrote down monkey nipples. Monkey nipples and what was the other oh thing? Oh my god, monkey angel nipples, boobs. angel boobs. <laughs> it's my new new nickname for you. I'm screw dragon titties. <laughs> okay. Okay, if we're going to throw out the best insult, my favorite, or I think the most cutting when you're drunk, when when Martha tells George, I haven't seen you in years. Yeah. And she tells him he doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, or like, I divorce you if and you existed or something like that. I would divorce you like if you didn't, if you actually existed. No. Damn, oh my girl. God. Why you have so I mean? had to pause the movie on that real quick. I was like, wait, what did she just say? Like, <laughs> damn. She Is was, this a plot twist? <laughs> yeah, right? Wait. <laughs> He doesn't exist. Did she just six sense him? (laughs) (laughs) The original six sense. Did she just six sense this whole movie? (laughs) Oh my god! Well, I took it as because later when when Honey kind of has her meltdown in the front yard with George while her husband and his wife are fucking upstairs. Such a mess. She's such a mess. But she talked about how she doesn't want children. She doesn't want children. All this stuff. I personally think she was actually pregnant and had an abortion. Hmm. I mean, who knows? That's kind of how I took it. Or miscarriage. That's a hot take. Is that a hot take? I think so. We haven't had a hot take. We haven't had a hot take. (laughs) (laughs) And then George delivers that monologue because we talk about this feeling like a stage production. The monologues right there put this in a different category, right? Um, He delivers that monologue about the boy he grew up with who killed his mother, killed his mother killed later his killed his father, and then spent his days in a mental institution. Right. While he was delivering that, I was like, are you talking about yourself right, right. now? There was definitely some, some like, at least me as a you know viewer of the movie, was like, okay, is this a story about himself? Is this a fictional story? Is yeah. this something he's doing to manipulate? Yeah, because it, it, like, it almost feels like one of those like creative devices that like yeah. that like that like sometimes movie movie directors or writers will put in there that then they'll circle back and ha ha which they I did was, they brought they brought they that up again did but I think it of was how all, the son died I think it was all part of like their fucked up games like, like this was just him fucking with them like they couldn't keep their story so straight. you don't believe it happened. No. Well, they they really blur the line whether or not it happened to another kid or whether or not it happened, it to, happened him. to him or whether or not. Yeah. Well, Nick thought it, Nick kind of alluded like, "Oh, you're the one who killed the right. parents." I don't know, because well, like, this novel kind of that he's yeah, this novel that he's saying, you know, is not a novel. It's my truth. Yeah. yeah. It was very. There were a lot of moments in it where I was just like wait what are we talking about <laughs> like who are you really talking about and it wasn't until the end when we see just how fucked up they are and his whole game or his whole line about this is how you play get the guests mm-hmm. you know that they're just kind of despicable manipulative i think it's evolved to that I, yes I think, i'm sure i don't it, think i'm sure it didn't and, start and that there way. was like that point where she was like uh, there's only you know there's only one man that's ever made me happy, and that was George, you know. Yeah. And you know he Which follows, in there, but she then, follows up that line with, right. "I don't want to be happy." Yes. Right. Right. Well, and I think I, I think that that actually I, that stood out with me. Like, right. Like because like, like when 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 that happened, I was like, yeah. That to me, that's a little bit of destructive. She was. She didn't want to just take him down. She 
was taking herself down as well. Well, I see it as more like a self-esteem, like self-loathing. No, she she didn't love herself. And so she saw this guy who really loved her, who's really kind of into her, and was like, oh, you're pathetic for loving somebody who I think is like despicable. And I think uh-huh. kind of, to me, that was kind of maybe part of the initial r- resentment maybe. Obviously, then there was this like, you know, oh, he's a dud and he's a... Right. Um, a flop, and I am queen mother, and you are all flops. Earth mother. Uh, Earth mother. Earth ah, mother. I love that line. I found it kind of romantic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. And that's, and that's probably why I've ended up in the relationships I have. <laughs> because I said... <laughs> Not gonna lie, I thought I was like I was like. There's a part of me, and you know we're still working on therapy for this. But there's a part of me that was that was immediately when she said that I was like I was like okay, like there's like there's something about her that appreciates him and knows that there's a loving yeah. connection there, and even if she's incapable of making emotionally intelligent decisions. She's like, like, how can I put this? Even some of the most dysfunctional relationships I've ever had, and I've had some really bad ones, there was definitely, there was a genuine affection for the other person. And I think, and I think that there is a genuine affection between Martha and George. And I think that, that Martha, when she says that, you know, she's, she's, she's almost, she kind of shifts the resentment from George almost to herself. You know, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, this fucking idiot loves me. And then it hits her. Crap. He really loves me. Yeah. Yeah. What was your longest dysfunctional relationship? Um, I'm about to say some really, really sad stuff. So, (laughs) so my longest dysfunctional relationship was with a a young girl and I'm not going to use her real name, but we'll call her Martha. We'll call okay. her Martha. Okay. appropriate. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> and so Martha and I had met probably in 2003 or four or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we met in a drunken stupor. And we ended up like doing terrible, horrible, inappropriate things in the back storeroom of a bar that I worked at. And from then on, we would constantly like hook up at the end of like drunken nights together. And we would, you know, spend spend one or two days together drinking and and doing adult stuff and then she went off to move to san diego and whenever she would come and visit she would either stay with me or she would stay with her folks and we would go out and we would do a lot of the same and then that that went on for about for about four or five six years oh wow and then finally she moved back to back to texas and because we'd always had a thing when she moved back to texas we started seeing each other and she was, she ended up moving in with me then we ended up getting a place together it was a it was a lot like like what happened with George and Martha you know for whatever reason we were drawn to each other mm-hmm. for whatever reason we we you know had a really connected sense of affection for each other. I, I can say that, that I loved her. Um, at one point, you know, we would get so drunk that we would fight. And because we both had drinking problems, you know, we were particularly, 
particularly adept at manipulating each other. We were mm-hmm. really good at we were really good at finding each other's insecurities. Addicts and alcoholics have a very very pronounced sense of other people's insecurities because it makes it easier for us to get what we want. Yeah. We're almost like 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 vultures sniffing out the dead before it's dead yet you know like we can like we can we can tell we can tell what we need to do to get a certain emotion evoked out of you so that we can get what we want whether it's forgiveness whether it's attention whether it's understanding whether it's a second chance you know we play off of that and martha and i played played into that uh, uh into each other and our, our, our two or three years together were, were like that. And then towards the last like third year, um, things got progressively worse. You know, there were certain resentments that we never talked about. I couldn't take her to f- get to like social visits without her getting hammered. And and Martha would, ha- would just continue drinking until she made an ass of herself and then I'd have to take her home and I'd always have to leave functions and mm-hmm. and you know I, I couldn't talk to her about my frustrations because she'd immediately start talking about my insecurities and you know it, she set me on fire once what so there was one Sunday and we were living in a garage apartment um in sort of the museum district midtown area and I had sent her on a cab home but it was Sunday, so I was hanging out. I was bartending at the time, so I was out with all my bartending buddies, and I didn't want to go home because I didn't want to have to take care of my girlfriend one more time. So I put her in her cab and sent her home, and I continued to party for the rest of the day. Get home at about 5 or 6, hammered. At this point, I'm, I'm only— We're talking in the morning or no, in the afternoon? In the afternoon. I started drinking okay. at 11. Okay. And so I'm just obliterated. But I have enough memory to remember like the bits and pieces of— like this evening afternoon and so i walk in she's yelling me where have i been blah 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 she's been drinking wine all day i cannot tell because there's like empty empty wine boxes everywhere and it wasn't like she left sober either she was already hammered we get into a fight i'm so hammered i can barely talk and see straight and i all i want to do is to go to bed so i go into the bedroom and i lock the door and I pass out to just sounds of like banging, 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 bang, bang. I wake up and there's black smoke in the room. My feet, I wake up because my, my toes were catching on fire because she had set the comforter at my feet on fire to get me to wake up because she was pissed that I wasn't paying attention to her. Because we were we were fighting. Holy shit. shit. She'd gotten into the room. She was pissed that I was passed out. She wanted me to wake up. She set the foot of my comforter on fire with a lighter. And that's how I woke up. Because I wouldn't... I, I guess she tried... Oh, like, my... I, and so, needless to say, we were together. We were still together for like a year after that. We were still Damn. together for like a year after that. Um, and that was actually my favorite comforter for many years. Um, <laughs> after that? Yeah. It the was burnt a, one? I really loved that comforter. Like so that. you kept the burnt comforter? Yeah. Oh my God. It was a really nice comforter. However, however, and I still haven't forgiven her for, th- for this. One time when I was moving, my uh, parents helped me move. My mom saw the comforter. She's like, why the 
fuck do you have a burnt comforter or like with, with this huge burn like burn spot on it i was like oh no don't 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 throw, don't, don't throw that away and mom's being moms she uh um she threw it away Oh, oh! So, so you haven't forgiven your mom for that? I haven't forgiven I my mom for it. that. <laughs> oh wow! But that's okay. the, that's the wow. twist. This took. So so. Yeah, that was a twist. <laughs> I haven't forgiven her for this. I know. Then, I'm thinking no, about it's the mom. I'm talking about Martha still. No, your mom. Poor mom. Uh, Martha is 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 no longer with us. Uh, she passed away oh. three years ago in June. Um, oh. Alcohol related passing. Oh wow. So, so the only reason I bring that up is because is because of the impact that these kinds of relationships can have on you moving forward. And, you know, having gone through one similar and seen sort of the tragic turn that it can yeah. take. Like there were a lot of, like I said, when I went, there are a few movies, there are very, very few movies that get heavy drinking and alcoholism right. Yeah. Most movies do the caricature of them. Yeah. Most movies just do the standard stumbling through, slurring your words, but that's not how it really is. Yeah. Sometimes you can be 100% articulate in everything you do, and the next day you won't remember anything. And some days you can be completely just, you know, walking around like a three-legged farm animal you know and just stumbling into everything and it's just and there's no rhyme or reason for it it's just the way it is yeah this movie there were a lot of relatable moments for me in it yeah you know the other movie is uh, a star is born but the bradley cooper version mm. oh my gosh that i couldn't finish that movie I couldn't finish that movie. I got to the part where he started crushing pain pills, and I remembered when I would do that, and that was that was it. I turned it off. Too trigger. Yeah, it, it, that's a weird word. I don't know that it was too triggering. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't understand that word sometimes, and that's mm. a personal thing. But I know that when I saw that, I was like, I don't need to relive that part of my life. I already have it in my past. Yeah. And so and so, like I saw when he did that. When he did that, I was like. That's a moment that I actually know what it's like, and I still remember what it feels like when it goes in your nose and you inhale it. Like, oh. I still remember. Right. I still remember how it burns. And so when George and Martha are sitting there fighting and saying those things to each other, yeah, I totally remember that. I dated my Martha when I got when I got sober, and there were there was one night in particular where she was goading me into into an argument. I was sober. She was hammered. And I'll never forget this. I'm laying in bed and she's in the in the closet and she just turns to me and she goes, I wish you would start drinking again. You were so much more fun when you were drunk. Mm. And yes. and here I am a recovering alcoholic and I'm in my early sobriety and, and just insecure and stumbling on my feet. And she knew exactly where to go. Yeah. Yeah. It just plays into that sort of manipulative aspect of being a problem drinker yeah you know that that you will you will sort of distort and and which is which is which is oddly appropriate given what mr albie has said about about you know the 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 uh, particular you know uh, uh focus on illusion versus reality but that an alcoholic will distort things 
to make or a problem problem drinker will distort things to either make themselves look better to get what they want to make the other person feel bad to achieve some sort of weird goal you know yeah. and so we're really good at that you know we're, yeah we're, we're, we're really really good at that and it's a uh, it's one of the things that the like watching this i'm kind of i'm kind of cur- like now looking lo- looking back in the and over the last 24 hours i've thought i my thought goes to Mr. Albie. Like, how does he know yeah, all this? I was going to ask. I like, was going to say, know? he's got to be some kind of personal. Like, how does he know all this? How does how does he? Yeah. How does he? How is he so so in touch with with uh, with all this? Now, I, never... I do want to touch on that real quick because you keep calling him Mr. Albie. He taught at U of H. Yes. And so I remember asking you, did you ever have a class with him? And you said that you acted in one of his directing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I. Uh, I was at U of H at the same time he was at U of H. Okay. I wouldn't have had had access to his classes. His classes were graduate student classes. So, so I, I think I was a freshman and sophomore during the time that he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, my first year, and my second year at U of H theater, and my first year, I didn't really. As a first year acting student at U of H, you don't get too many opportunities to make it up to the main stage. Right. So you kind of have to, you know, show your face or make an appearance or create, generate buzz about yourself by acting in as many classroom settings as possible, making as many friends as possible, getting the teachers and the faculty to see you and stuff like that. And I just remember being like total fanboying over, you know, Mr. Mr. Albee uh, uh, and 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 even you know uh, uh, Carolyn Boone because I'd heard so much about yeah. her, you know, uh, being in her class. When I actually met Mr. Albee, he wasn't what I expected. He was a very soft-spoken man. Really? Yeah. He just he he just he, he, you wouldn't expect his person his 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 voice. To generate that dialogue, <laughs> right, right. But, but, but knowing that he did, I mean, I've all, I mean, I've always liked the play, and I've always, you know, but seeing this movie was was just a, kind of like a whole nother experience. Yeah. Now it was hard for you to watch A Star Is Born. Yeah. Was it difficult to watch this at all? Like I said, the first five ten minutes were probably the most difficult, and then and then it got uncomfortable mm-hmm. again when. There were a couple of moments where it was just kind of like made me like kind of like squirm in my seat a few times. Yeah. Um, the part where she tells him that he doesn't exist that made me. Mm. I was like, I don't know. That just didn't. That, that sticks with me. That just like that 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 bothered me. Um, the scene in the in the bar where they're sort of like fighting, you know, and then and then he's like begging the barkeep to let them have another round right. yeah that yes. was wild when he's, then he's yeah. like begging them to have another round and i was like i was like dude i feel like i've actually done that you know yeah so, so there were moments like yeah. that um overall this movie hits on a like more of a psychological component mm-hmm. to, yeah. to everything that's going on yeah whereas like like a star is born is a little more visceral it's it's yeah. more in my gut you know yeah. I, like 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 that's 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 a kick in the balls this is a mind fuck okay Aww. That's a, yeah. <laughs> that's really nice. <laughs> so I beautiful. Like Great way I, to say that. I'm nothing. Well, if I think not there's eloquent. also like a, a sense of like, um, like narcissism as well with the characters, because oh, yeah. a lot of you know what you were talking about in like 
saying, being in tune to other people's insecurities or weaknesses and using that against them to get what you want, um, you know, was definitely reminiscent of of my marriage because, you know, we weren't, we didn't struggle with addiction. We struggled with him manipulation and isolation from my friends and um you know having this kind of control and power and it was physical and um you know and especially towards the end when it was during the divorce was like that's when it just ramped up next level Mm -hmm. you know toxic so yeah i mean there's definitely some like moments in that movie that i was like oof feel this yeah 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 i feel that we're gonna take a break and then we'll come back with more okay so one thing that nick says is that he full-on intends to charm his way up the ladder and says i admire that that martha is a good place to start i mean i mean go for the president's daughter geez have you ever slept your way up Have you ever, like, slept with someone to get? (laughs) I've slept my way down a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Talk about low-hanging fruit, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so no. <laughs> no, okay. No. Conrad, no. you sleeping with people at Tom Ford? To- N- no. God, All right. no. Okay. Curious. Um, I have not either. It's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> it is shocking. I, what, is it? I'm not that person. So obviously this doesn't sit well with George. He's like, fuck you. And so the tension builds, and that's when, you know, they decide, okay, we really do need to leave, because Honey's, like, throwing up inside, and Nick is, you know, getting drunker and drunker, and so... Can we just talk about that for one split second? Yes. Nick, for as much as he acts like he cares about Honey, if he really did care about Honey, he would have taken her out. He would have gotten her the fuck out of there. He makes it a real point to talk about how much he cares about Honey. Yeah. But he never actually takes care of honey. Yeah. No. No, not he's at all. clearly and and George makes it a point, I think George makes it a point early on in the movie to be like, listen, you know, if you want to bail, you're bailing on the president's daughter. So if you want yeah. to, to move on or progress, then you may want to you stick better around. stay. Well he yeah, he chooses that they're all very of choosing his, his wife. They're all very especially George is very upfront about his motives and intentions and Yeah. You know, when they were talking out by the swing, he's like, You know I'm just trying to gather dirt on you to use against you later, yeah. right? And he's like, Yeah. He's okay. very honest. To yeah. the point where you're like, I you can't be honest. Like if you were Nick in that situation, like there's no way he actually means that. Uh, I think I think he Took him for face value. Do you? Yeah, I feel like I feel like George has more experience in the manipulation dynamic oh, sure. than Nick yeah. does, and I think George is smart enough to know that the truth will have far more impact yeah. to getting his end than lying. I mean, why lie? The the That's truth, very true, the truth, yeah. the truth is probably going to get 
get the truth will unsettle you far more yeah. than than a lie will. And if I may, I think Mr. Albee was saying the same thing. All right, so George insists on driving them home. He's I mean, I think you've driven while you're drunk, right? Conrad. Never. Uh-huh. <laughs> Alfonso, you definitely have. Uh, the state of Texas has already <laughs> determined that at least twice I have driven <laughs> under the influence of alcohol. So, barring any future okay. decisions okay. by the state of Texas, we'll just go with that number. Okay. All right. Sounds good. But yes, yes, I have. Yes, yes. Yep. I think we all have. Made when I was younger. Decisions. Now, Uber and like all of that stuff is so much easier to. Utilize. Yeah, it's it is just a lot easier to to not do that. All right, so then we get to the roadhouse, and he's like, and there was something that um, she's creepy. I she's dance weird. like the wind. I she's dance. just totally unattractive. It was like oh, yeah. the wind. Her slim hips. She as they talk about. Chibu. The original. In the, belly. the original Nell. Uh. <laughs> So awkward. Have you ever had those moments where you feel embarrassed for the person? And even oh, if it's yes. on TV, you just kind of I mean, cringe. For Aaron all the time. You just cringe. And you're yes. just like, I don't want to watch this. Yes. I don't want to watch this because this is too weird. Okay, yeah. her dancing was one of those moments. Yeah. Like, like I don't want to watch this movie, but I got to talk about it tomorrow. I, have to, I can't. I got to talk about it tomorrow. See, I'm more like, I can't turn away no, right. when it's a car wreck happening. Right, like, right, I have right. to see this through. So yeah, Honey's doing this like interpretive dancing thing, which I can appreciate, but it's a little weird in this. Like, it definitely is so strange just in this situation and where we've been and where we're going. But then, like Martha and George... Or Martha and uh, Nick start dancing very provocatively. And just like uh, in your face. Yeah. Doesn't care. And he even, George even says it looks like they've done this before. Do like it's you just think very familiar. that George he, and Martha have had like open affairs? Like, I think, you think there's a, for sure a level of openness to their relationship? He, he made, no, I he think made, that she has. Yeah, he made a reference when he was talking about the child, how... He goes through a laundry list of things that Martha used to do, and one of the things that he goes through, he goes having having uh, uh, visitors come at all hours of the. Ooh, right. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't think that he has regular extramarital affairs. I definitely think she did for sure. Um, well, I mean, which she sort of plays into the dynamic. Tried of, to. She's the overtly hostile yes one his passion passive aggressive as passive aggression is fueled by watching seeing what she does and then bringing it up to confront her with it yes he does he he's not the kind of man who would stop her from having an affair he would just use it against her later on to mm-hmm. to, to manipulate her on how she's been hurting him and she's yeah. the kind of person who would openly mm-hmm. flaunt it to emasculate him over yeah. and over and over again to get her satisfaction out of it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is when she kind of insinuates, she talks about his his book and insinuates that he is the boy from yeah, the earlier right. story he told <clears throat> Nick. Right. So this is obviously a story that they've told before. Now, do you think that this was the first young couple they've entertained? No. 
Okay. Clearly think, not. No. Okay. This is a a thing almost like a regular uh, for like sport. party trick. Yeah. It, it seems like like a sporting kind of who can freak out the guests more or how can we yeah. destroy these people so that other people are in misery like we are. Well, play get the guests. I mean, that's what we'll he talks about the because then he talks about his second book he was writing and tells the story of Nick. Right. And the hysterical pregnancy and the, um, you know, using her for her father's money and all of that. And Honey realizes that they're talking about her. Right. And freaks out and runs out to go throw up yet Does again. she have more brandy before she does? Because I feel like it's just like... <laughs> I'm sure that they have it at well, the, the bar, They brought right? four drinks. You know, the, yeah. the bartender brought yeah. four drinks. So they definitely did. I did read that the bartender's <laughs> wife, um, when she comes out, she was actually Elizabeth Taylor's hairdresser. Great. So there you go. There's that. So then we get to what I think is my favorite scene, not like favorite to watch, but I think is the most brilliant scene is George and Martha in the parking lot and them just yelling at each other that they mm. are basically both going to take the other down. I mean, it is the most, it's where he pushes her up against the car. She hits her head. I mean, it starts getting, you know, he already gets physical with her at the bar. And he literally, like, goes to strangle her. And there was that quote where he said, did you really think I was going to kill you, Martha? And she says, you kill me? That's a laugh. And he says, well, now I might someday. And she says, fat chance. They're just so fucking mean. There's just so much resentment. There's so <clears throat> much built up. Yeah. So much. And this, of course, is, is before so we would marriage counseling. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why this is the only thing I've ever seen Elizabeth Taylor in that I like. I keep looking at her. I'm like, God. Like Martha. What college is that again? <laughs> <laughs> Think about going back to school. <laughs> so Martha ends up driving Nick and Honey home but they don't go to their home they go to georgia martha's home where honey is now in a ball in the car with the car door open well then he looks up you know george looks up in the window and sees martha and getting it on um and he has that moment where he's like he looks so pissed off and breaks open the door and everything and then he starts laughing and then immediately starts crying. Like, I think we've all been through that. Like, it was just that one. It was like <laughs> all within one minute that we go from one extreme can, to can the I, other. Can I tell a story? Yes, please. <laughs> we God, love your story. Your stories are amazing. Please. So, so, so I was bartending. I was like 23 at the time. And um, we would do after hours. And we would go drinking to this one after hours club that was open to like 8 or 9 in the morning. And I went there like two or three times and there was this incredibly tall girl that I would see there all the time. She was blonde, thin, just super tall, taller than me almost. Maybe she was taller than me now that I think about it. And finally one day, like just out of the blue, I buy her a drink at like four in the morning. And we end up talking and we end up dating for a while. Her name was Lyndon. And oh. me and Lyndon were like, we, 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 we dated for for a few just a couple months but what broke up the relationship was one time i went to i I had a break from the bar i'd been working all day like i opened at like five or six and then i had a break at like nine or ten and so she lived nearby where i worked so i was 
going to surprise her, which I learned later, never surprise a girl. Oh, shit. Never surprise. <laughs> she was living in a duplex. And I called her from, from, from downstairs saying, hey, I have a little time to kill. And all of a sudden, I look up in her window, and there's literally like out of a movie scene i see a guy sit down on a on a on a on one of her chairs and then i see this whole bit where she puts her hair up on a ponytail and just starts going to town on his lap oh my god (laughs) and and i walked away thinking okay so this is over (laughs) (laughs) quick story that was it (laughs) Much like George. <laughs> Much like George. <laughs> Saw. Now wait, did you image. go through the range of emotions? Were um, you like super mad? Yeah. And then laughing yeah. and then crying. No. Mm. No, there was there was mad. There was there was there was definitely no. Were the laughing. two of you exclusive at the time? Not really, but I was like twenty three, you know. Yeah. She was older. She was like twenty six, twenty seven or something like that. Gotcha. And so I had this uh, like, you know puppy love thing going on Mm -hmm. probably probably saw more into it than she did you know uh but nonetheless that image actually played out in real life for me that's really funny and i went back and i drank like half a bottle of jaeger and i was fine the next day oh my god (laughs) and by fine i mean hungover that's great i've never seen i've i've never seen like looked in the window and seen a boyfriend doing something else have you and not really what does that mean? I mean, like either you did or you didn't. Well, it was like high school. You nonsense. caught them cheating. I mean, like that's what it looked like, but then they said it wasn't. Did you believe them? Not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, so this is when when Sandy Dennis, honey, was out crying about not wanting children and all of that. This is when I was like, was she pregnant? And because an abortion back then was very, you know, no, no. Taboo. Um, but something really sad in real life, she did have, she was pregnant and did have a miscarriage on the set. Mm. On the set of this movie? On the set of this movie. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. It's meta. Yeah. Right. So I, yeah. So then when Martha is done with her boy toy, she comes downstairs. George is gone. She starts kind of freaking out about that. You know, at first she's just like, oh, fuck you, you know, whatever. And then she's like, George, like, yeah. You can hear that she really, really wants him. Well, but but I mean, she also makes it really clear that he couldn't get it up. Right. Yeah, about his right. inadequacy, and he's like, "It's the liquor." Yeah. Like I've been there, done that. I feel like I feel like I feel I mean, like I feel like if you're if you're Martha, all of a sudden there's blood in the water now. Yeah. 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 You're right. Uh, George comes home and they have a really uncomfortable moment where it's like they're almost teaming up now. Like this all just happened. And then he brings those flowers and they kind of start poking fun at Nick like together. You know? Right. Well, because she, you know, then now she has the upper hand. Right. Because of this like sexual, you know, indiscretion. And so now he's the house boy. Go answer the door, house boy. Yes. God, so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. She's a pro at emasculating. Yeah. She really is. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So then we get to Conrad's favorite part, where they're telling (laughs) the story of the son. And 
that you know he they start describing like earlier in the movie they had described what his eyes look like and he's like they're blue no they're green yeah they're blue they're green they're blue they're green and when I watched that part of the movie, I was like, oh, that's so sad that they don't even, like, remember what their son's God. I really still thought that this son existed. I assumed that the son had died in childbirth and that they, in order to or cope with as that. as a young child. Or as or a young child, infant. in order to, co- to cope with that, they were making these stories about yeah, him. Yeah, that's, that's actually sort of the way that I... That I Which would make more sense. That, yeah. I, that, I, that I, like... <laughs> deciphered those moments yes. when I first knew the storyline. It yeah. was like, it was like it was like, oh well it's the child that never grew up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The child they had but that never got a chance to grow up. So that's why they remember uh I didn't think But then they to were, find were, out it was completely yeah. all made up. And now so this was, I believe, a coping mechanism that they kind of because everything was so manipulative and was so so like um just game related and kind of fucking with each other. But this was one quote game that they had between just the two of them. And the one rule is you don't talk about this outside of us. And she did. She broke that rule. And it seems that that was the first time anyone had broken that rule. And he really stuck with it. I know Conrad, you were saying, well, if it was all made up, then why can't she just make him up back to life? You know, yeah, that's just, the situation. it just took but a weird left turn for I, me that I was not on board with. I feel that, I mean, in this, he was 16 years old, about to have a birthday. I really feel that they were doing this for the past 16 years. They oh, had yeah. been doing this. And sticking with that time frame and what he would be doing now and everything. And I think it's significant that at this point, the son had run away multiple times. So you can only imagine... I mean, it, it sounds like their relationship just got progressively worse. It was following the course of their relationship is the son's upbringing, you know. And so when she breaks that one rule, in in real life, they had been doing this kind of game with each other for 16 years. And he'd never been killed off before or anything like that. He was still growing. It was a very dysfunctional relationship between parent and child, just like it was dysfunctional between the two of them. But then he killed him off, and that's part of the game. Like, you're playing out this fake life in order to cope with what you don't have, and then he just cuts it all off like that. Thoughts? I don't like either of your faces right now. Stupid. (laughs) Well, so, okay. So there's the creative and sort of, like, writer, actor part of my thinking that says you know that's a really interesting device to generate a circumstance where we would create conflict between two couples two people to other sets of people and that's really interesting and really cool and then there's the part of me that goes i can't freaking fathom how that could possibly ever happen in real life yeah because and, and 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 I'm gonna to the gonna, level that they do, and yeah. I'm gonna and I'm gonna explain because because then I think to myself, okay, I've never I've never been caught up in in that type of delusion. Mm-hmm. I've had my own delusions, you know, with my addiction and with how I've like 
played out certain certain you know parts of my personality that I want to show to other people um, certain like aspects of my life that I want to, to put out there and I don't want people to see the other parts but I've never done it to the point where where I've made up such a grandiose fantasy such an enormous right. thing that if you called me out on it you might have me committed right you know like like the so so as a couple i mean i mean i i can't speak to that level of of grief or i've never been in that situation with another person to where you know obviously george makes 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 a comment about how she can't have children you know yeah Uh, how he how she didn't have children because she never could have children or something like that Mm -hmm. uh and so like that's got to be pretty heavy i just I can see how it would lose you because it almost lost me. Conrad, I can I can see I can see that. I can totally feel that. And the part of me that agrees with you is the part of me that that wants all the awesomeness that Mr. Albi captured to have a little more reality to it. You know, especially at the but, end. Yeah, because it was all, it, it, everything was very grounded in, in like a yeah. reality. Like you could see an alcoholic couple fucking with a non-alcohol you like all yeah. of it played mm-hmm. out really well and then and then you have like and then there's the the creative side of me that that's like well it's the catalyst to be able to show all this and without this catalyst we couldn't pop open this nut you know yeah and 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 and, and see so I don't know. I'm kind of torn between both of you, and so it's kind of fitting that I'm sitting right in smack in between. <laughs> right in the middle. It's, a, it's it's like this beautiful, this beautiful, like you know, artistic expression. So, okay, <laughs> life imitating art. Yeah. Um, All right, Conrad. The other extreme. Well, the, I, I don't consider my uh, opinion extreme. I know. First go. off. <laughs> second. Stop I yelling. Think, <laughs> yeah. Second. Stop yelling. <laughs> Third, learn your place, woman. All right. <laughs> I take back that one. Ooh, um, zero to a hundred real fast. That escalated <laughs> quickly, we folks. We are the George and Martha. That escalated um, quickly. <laughs> I think throughout the play and movie, they laid so much groundwork for the birth of each of their resentment. Mm-hmm the the development of where they're you know coming from this kind of what i feel is like self-loathing from her and this emasculation of and failure of him right you know of and and that ask escalating right that when when it happened i text you and i was like i am so confused yes is he did i see that right like <laughs> am, is this correct that he's made up because I thought it was so far out of left field. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe most people would assume that the child had died right. at some point. And maybe that is the the twist that they kind of let the audience assume right. what happened to this child. But I just feel it would have been more in character of the movie to ground a traumatic experience, an actual right. traumatic experience as a root cause and a catalyst for 
all the problems and resentment they already are having with each other. Right. I can see Um, that. And that's kind of why it just was like, that's lame. I just thought it was lame. I think, uh, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you in that respect because I feel like if you, if the ending were different Mm -hmm. and it had been, (laughs) and it had been, and it had been a, a, a sad circumstance for the loss of a child and the grieving aftermath that culminated in sort of this, you know, sad and compassionate moment between George and Martha. I think that I know I probably would have felt like more of an emotional connection. I probably would have been more involved and more engaged in, in what was going on between them. Maybe a little sense of like sympathy or empathy for both of them. But instead... I found myself relating more to Nick, who kind of like breathes out and goes, "What the fuck did I just waste my time with?" Did you, that look I mean, on his face when he's like, yeah. when, when he's when he's standing by the thing, he goes, "I get it," and all of a sudden he lets out this breath. <sighs> like you I did two, the same. you two just just fucking wasted it, it, my time, emotionally scarred me, right. kicked me in the balls, created a problem for me. Now I've got to deal with her. Right. Yeah. And and this is it would have been uh, like cool if like if if you know it was the son in the car and George was driving and fell and hit a tree and then the son was the one who yeah. killed. Mm-hmm. You know, in that kind of story this like created story in your head of an actual event. Something kind of grounded in in that area. But one thing I like about this is that it's the only time I feel that we really see Martha's weakness. Because she spends the whole time attacking, 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 right? But this, we see her completely weak. This is because she's not able to have children. But I think think that sort of lends more leverage to it. Conrad was saying, I mean, if you're if you're gonna play that angle, mm-hmm. if you're gonna play that angle, then go for it. Make it about the emotional trauma of a mother who's lost a child, which we can relate to, as opposed to you're so dysfunctional and needy and incredibly just void of any sincere emotional connection with each other that you have to make up a a a and like to mourn the loss of a non real child. I mean was weird. It's- it just was weird. When, but when again, came, but again, why did you do that? But again, you didn't have to do that. I can see it as a literary device. Right. Mm-hmm. I can see it as a literary device. I get it. I understand it. I'm not even. I'm not even questioning, Mister Albi. You are a genius. Right. But it leaves me wanting. Yeah. I see. It, it leaves me a little frustrated at the end. Yeah. Maybe that's what Mister Albi wanted. Maybe you know some plays are are meant to leave you frustrated. I mean, let's face it. Waiting for Godot. Right, you know, ask more questions than it than, he, than, 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 answers. than, than answers, yeah. and that's the whole point of it, you yeah. know. But as a movie, one hundred greatest movies, I kind of want a different ending. I see. Same. I was really okay with this ending. Really okay with it. I thought it was kind of perfect. I'm leaving. You're <laughs> staying. It's been a great episode. I. <laughs> I really do. I think that, you know, I never had to deal with not being able to have children, but I can imagine the level of 
I've, I've talked to women who have been unable and the level of, uh, and, and same with men, you just feel so inadequate. And especially if it's something you really desperately want, it's really fucking hard. And there is a level of grief when you find out that you can't have it. And from what I understand, there's like, that's like an actual thing. Like there are women who will create like in their yeah. head, like kids and all. I just, I just feel like there's a certain detachment from where the story was going, where if that was the story, it should have been a different story, you know? Yeah, I, I just, I find it interesting that that's when we really saw her weakness and we saw almost compassion from George going along with this scenario for her all these years. I feel that he was doing it for her, not for him. I think he was fine not having children. But I think she really wanted it. And the fact that he was willing to go along with this all these years with that one rule of we're not, we're not going to let other people into our crazy, you know. <laughs> and that's like the one thing. And then she was like, honey, let me tell you about my son's 16th birthday and coming home. What the fuck? Okay, now I'm not playing with you anymore. That's kind of but how like, it I, felt. Yeah, but it's also like, okay, if he doesn't want to bring other people into it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the one rule. Like... He could have very well just put that to rest. They had plenty of craziness to play off of that had nothing to do with the child. They were in, in the crazy fact, store. The in fact, <laughs> the majority of the movie, the majority of the movie doesn't really deal with the son and like you know. But you can tell that is the most sensitive topic between them. Yeah, which is why it's such them. a disappointment. See, yeah, I totally disagree. Well. This is okay. Well, first time we've disagreed on something on this podcast. Crazy. I know we disagreed on. We every both like this one. movie. Though. We did. Now, okay. So here's the next thing. Does it belong on the top 100? Even with that, <gasps> Elf. No. Oh God. Then we saw the end of Aaron and Elf. It was really awesome while it lasted. That's what she said. No, but she really did say that. <laughs> so you don't think this belongs on a top 100 just for a character study of okay so so let me frame this the way i i i need i need to frame this the yes proper please way. okay probably one of the best female performances ever yes yeah like like seriously probably one of the best ensemble performances mm. yes. ever totally agree some of the best writing in general, but that's just Mr. Albee. But great writing doesn't always equate to a great film. And we're talking about films. So You don't think this is a great film? I don't. I don't. I think I think it's a really, really, really good movie. It's just it's just I don't I don't feel like this movie broke any real ground. You know, I mean, I think it showed I mean, when it came out, I think that gender roles were being kind of turned on its head where women weren't willing to play the typical housewife. OK, I can see that. And if and if and, and I didn't and you just saying that, OK, I get that. That's mm -hmm. actually that's actually a really, really good point. You know, here's a woman who's basically and more than more often than not metaphorically and literally grabbing guys by the balls and right. fucking making them squirm yeah that's kind of that's kind of interesting i agree with you on that here's another thing back in the 60s i know one thing that 50s and 60s one thing that was very popular was cocktail hour that was like 
where you socialized, right? I know for my grandparents, it was every single day at five o'clock, you bust out the drinks and all of that. This kind of, you know, threw off the cover of that nice social cocktail hour and showed you just things that we did not talk about then. Alcoholism, I mean, you just couldn't hold your liquor, you know, or like you didn't, there weren't those labels just like, you know, back when we were growing up, like with mental health, you just didn't talk about it. Just suck it up, right? This was in the era of that cocktail hour, of that social drinking and all of that and exposed the really dirty, more realistic side of that. So that's pretty impactful for the time to come out in 1966, kind of at the height of all of that with that generation. Okay, so so if that's the case, then you still haven't sold me on top 100, but I will say that given what you just said, mm-hmm. then there is a timelessness to this to this movie that I feel like whether it was 1962, 67 yes. or or 2023 Mm -hmm. you watch this movie and you relate to these characters you relate to those it's like um the the uh revival of company and they switch the the genders genders. in it Mm -hmm. and i mean when i saw it was like it was brand new material completely uh relatable yeah it was not time stamped um, like some certain movies are just required to We've be in had, a certain amount yes, of time yeah. and it's not flexible. This is, to me is one that can be made in 20 years from now and it yes. just seems like, okay, well that makes, you know, all it of us fits. related to this movie in certain ways. It, it kind of reflected back some parts of our lives and I think it will always do that for audiences. Yeah, And I think that's a good point of the timelessness of, of the story of this movie. So we all agree it should be top 100. Is that, that's where <laughs> we are I don't think we now. all agree. I think, I think we agree. I think it's two and one. Ah, I, he's starting to change. And it's okay. He's starting uh, to change. I, I, I wouldn't say starting to change. Mm. Like yeah. maybe 101. Like, like I, I, <laughs> I just missed the mark. I mean, oh, uh, that's interesting, Alf. Uh, okay, uh, well. Awkward. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it really is, is new to the list. So it did not make the it original make, list. So it's no. a fair really? assessment. Yeah. Who is your favorite character? Which one of these <laughs> charming folks the was bartender. your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Elizabeth Taylor, because I want to make babies with her. Because you want to her. shag Because <laughs> I want to make babies with her. So, well, she can't have them, so. It's true. It's true. Because uh, I feel like she, like... Like she is my Martha. Yeah. <laughs> like, like she feels like home. <laughs> I feel, I feel like, I feel like I get, I, I feel like if anyone was going to set me on fire, I'd want it to be her. <laughs> so, who did you relate to the most? I feel like, I feel like it was probably George, mm-hmm. which seems a little obvious, but. There were a lot of Nick moments for me because, mm. you know, uh, this is this is this is going to be a little weird because I haven't touched on this. There were a lot of Nick moments that, like, like he 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 felt re- Nick and Nick and Honey feel very awkward at a lot of moments, and you can yeah. and that's another mm-hmm. reason why their acting was so amazing because you could see it without any lines, just their yes. expressions. Like you could see Honey physically like 
squirm at the right moment and just mm-hmm. in the right mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And you can see Nick look over to Honey and then back and said, those were so cool to me. So, yeah, so there were those moments where you did connect with Nick just in, like, yeah. discomfort. Yeah, and- I mean, you know, um, alcoholic couples tend to hang out with other alcoholic couples. It reminded mm-hmm. me of my childhood. Just, uh, just there were there were very, there were a lot of Nick moments, as many as there were George moments. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then there were a couple of, like, Martha moments where I was the antagonist. I'm not a saint. When, when I was, when I what? was. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's a true story. I know I'm shattering a lot of a lot of mental images yes, right now as I say this. Really are. <laughs> so there were a lot of there were a lot of moments where where I know I've been the Martha. Yeah. In the in the uh, in the exchange of blows, verbal. Mm-hmm. You know, so more. You were definitely my Martha. Oh, pumpkin. Oh. <laughs> totally I'd wear that jumpsuit kidding. for you, you were, any day. You were lovely. <laughs> I Conrad, who did you relate to? It's really tough. Um, the bartender. Yeah, the bartender. <laughs> yeah, right. You guys need to the go. party going. You, no, you guys need to go. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to go. Guys, you gotta get home. Um, I've had enough of this storyline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think at certain points, a little bit of all of them. You know, they, they all exude they all some kind yeah. of. You know, when you put them all together you have moments of vindictiveness and, and kind of almost cruelty that you need, you feel like you need to lash out on people. There's feelings of like, you know, Oh, well somebody else is like attacking me and I'm just kind of like, what the hell is going on? And I'm going to fight back moments where I've been drunk and dancing like the wind, you know, and <laughs> so like, creepy, yes. you know, and, uh, you know, there, there's just like a little bit of everyone, but yeah. as one as a whole person character, no. But uh, definitely, I I relate to each of them at certain points in that movie for sure. I think that's why it's such a strong ensemble is because yeah. is because yeah. you can find that humanity in all sure. of those pieces and yeah. just touch on all of them, except for Honey dancing. That was weird. <laughs> oh, I love me some good interpretive dancing. I'll do that any day. It's creepy. I feel like I related Martha to Graham, Martha Graham. <laughs> Fossey, Fossey, Fossey. <laughs> Madonna, Madonna. Madonna. Um, I felt like I related to Martha the most. Of I hate saying that, but not because of the emasculation. What I, um, with her, it was the extreme in emotions going from one moment where you're, um, I mean, I just keep going back to that scene where she's, you know, loving on him and saying, kiss me. And then he says no. And then she's like, Wah! you know, like latches onto that. I know that before um, getting on medication for, you know, mental reasons and all of that, that is exactly, and I still will sometimes kind of go into that where it goes from one extreme to the other, which is, you know, very definition of bipolar is, you know, you go from the extreme low to the extreme high. Um, and so with her doing that kind of emotional roller coaster, that's what I related to the most. Because it certainly was never gradual the way we saw with George, where he finally was led to a moment of snapping um, and instead was just kind of chaotic. I don't feel like I relate to it any to her as much anymore um, now that I'm on medication. But definitely before that, I, I definitely felt that way. Would you recommend this to a friend, Alf? Depends on the friend. Would you recommend it to a friend, Conrad? Yeah. Oh, my God. I totally yeah. did. I'd be, I'd not only recommend it, but I'd be like, let me watch it with you. Did you have some favorite quotes? 
I am Mother Earth, and you are all uh, flops. I am Earth Mother. <laughs> you don't even exist. You don't even exist. That was a rough one. I love, I'm going to start saying this at home. All right, love, whatever love wants. <laughs> I think that's such a... Condescending. God, it really is. Oh, my God, when Martha says, I hope that was an empty bottle, George. You can't afford to waste good liquor, <laughs> not on your salary. Gosh, such a bunch. There, there were a lot of quotes in this that, like these, like one line zingers that yeah. were just like when George goes. <laughs> this was one I wrote down that I loved. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Yes, or that's thinking, the one. That's the one. one I, that's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> that's I've got to use that. That is fantastic. And I like uh, Martha. In my mind, you're buried in cement right up to the neck. Yes. No, up to the nose. It's much quieter. It's much quieter. <laughs> The other one I wrote down, Martha is 108 years old. old. She weighs someone more more than that. I love that one. (laughs) On a a flip one, I do like Martha talking about, like that moment where she's like saying, I disgust me. You know, there's only been one man in my life who's ever been made me happy. Do you know that? George, my husband, who's out, out somewhere there in the dark, who is good to me whom I revile, who can keep learning the games we play as quickly as I can change them, Mm -hmm. who can make me happy, and I do not wish to be happy. Yes, I do wish to be happy. George and Martha, sad, 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 whom I will not forgive for having come to rest, for having seen me, and having said, yes, this will do. Oh, God. I mean. Yes, this will do. Oh, shit. Now do you see why I'm in love with her? I do. I do see it um, now. What's the movie... Where they kept saying, I think we watched it, where you get you get what you settled for. We just... What, uh, what movie was that? We just did that. And that oh, Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise. Where we talk yes. about... We, you get what you settle for. You get for. what you settle for, but at which the can same be a time, beautiful thing. But, but at the same time, yeah. that's why... That, okay, I had a moment. Oh, <laughs> you think it should be on the top 100? No. <laughs> um, she knows... All the ugly sides of herself. Mm-hmm. She knows them. She plays to them. She knows that those are her strengths. And here's someone who sees all the ugly sides of her, and he still loves her. Mm. Yeah. That's why she's my favorite. Yeah. Well, I mean, like most people, if they're truly seen, that's what we all kind of want, right? But she's seen... And well, but, he's but, the mirror kind yeah. of. There is that vulnerability, though, of people knowing your exactly deepest you insecurities yeah. and having in the past had those used against you to Which say. you were saying about just in the alcoholism, yeah. you know exactly what to, to say. Yeah. Knowing that like in our past, people have used our insecurities against us. Oh, yeah. To then be that vulnerable vulnerable again with someone to say man you better not do that shit to me (laughs) because it's already happened to me yeah you know there was also that you know one of the things she said that i think is so just emasculating is when he calls her a monster and she says i'm loud and i'm vulgar Vulgar. and i wear the pants in the house because Mm -hmm. somebody's got to but i'm not a monster like that that whole I wear the pants and the, oh god, I think that's there's so... a certain factuality about that, not a condescending way, because I feel mm-hmm. to a certain extent like when you know George was supposed to be this grandiose, right. to have this really great 
um, future. And when it didn't turn out, I feel like he kind of retracted into himself. He right. felt self-emasculated. He felt, you know, and and so I think to a certain point, she did have to step in to be like, okay, we can right. keep going, we can keep going. And then it turned into kind of a resentment. I have, yeah. a, I have a theory. Yes. I think that in that moment that you just talked about, I don't think she was playing the game. Yeah. I think he went too far and she was saying yeah. and she was saying and she was saying to him, Look, I'm all the things that we're doing. Right. This is all this like that like uh, for me that doesn't feel like the game. Yeah. It feels like she's actually saying, You know what, we can do this all day long, we can call each other names, but, but you're, you're not, not gonna, gonna call, call me a monster. monster because that is not true. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I agree. Well, but and okay, so following that, she's like, "I'm loud and vulgar. I wear the pants." Right. He he responds saying, "You're spoiled, self-indulgent, willful, dirty-minded, liquor-ridden," and she snaps. Mm -hmm. Right. It went. Oh my god! I need to put that on my Tinder. Um, (laughs) Looking for, (laughs) looking for, spoiled, (laughs) self-indulgent, willful, dirty-minded, and liquor-ridden. Yes, I need. Um, Okay. And, she and, snap. and, and she snap. It went snap. <laughs> I'm not going to try to get through to you anymore. There was a second back there. Yeah. There was a second, just a second when I could have gotten through to you when maybe we could have cut through all of this, this crap, but it's past and I'm not going to try. So that kind of, to <sighs> me, kind of insinuates this, like there was a moment where he was like, they were good and, and whatnot, but that you know, maybe he went into severe depression and just couldn't right. get out of it. And there was a moment where she was like, okay, we can do this. We, we can, can do this. this and and then, then I'm done caring. Point of no return. Yeah. yeah. It's that indifference. That's the worst. The, the, I'm, I'm really shocked that the screen, like the screenplay did not shocked. win. shocked Cause it really is like well, how, so like, rich in yeah. uh, verbiage and very heavy handed kind of wording. This other movie. I'm curious about it. All right, let's take one last break, and then we're going to come back with just some little games. Welcome back. Yay. Okay, so if it was remade today, who are you casting? Hmm. Alf, I'm going to ask you for... No, we'll go... Here, George, who are you casting, Alf? For George? Yes. Hmm. I don't know, man. Kelsey Kramer. Ew. Kelsey Kramer? Yeah. Oh, I Ew. could actually mm, see that. He's like a penis. George. I have Connor. a few. Who? Ranging in age. And different vibes. Oh. But all I think can pull them off. Go. One is Adam Driver. If you've seen the he marriage story. Older. I mean, he's if you've seen the marriage story, he is yes. 40. Okay. 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 He's 40. Okay. He looks younger, but he is. He is. Okay. What's his name's age in this movie? Yes. Okay. Well. 45, isn't he? He's supposed to be five or no, six years younger. Richard Burton's than, actual age no, was forty-one. Burton, but everyone back then, <laughs> okay, was fair. Like Twenty okay, years older. I have three more. Okay. The next one is Colin Firth. That's who I have on my list. Because be if you saw him in um, the King's Speech, yes, which I loved, incredible. He can do that kind of feebleness. Mm-hmm. But you can tell he can do kind of there like a sinister. There can be rage bubbling underneath right? there. Yeah. Uh, Refines. I, he was the other one. On my list. You fucking can't. We never agree on this. Yeah. Go on. And then my last one is Mark Ruffalo. No. Okay, now you lost me. Okay, well, whatever. Okay. Okay, Martha. Alf, who, who are you casting? <sighs> is it the... the 
This is totally based on my personal infatuation. Mm-hmm. Rene Russo. Oh, that's oh, a, God, I love that's a name Russo. from the past. Man, that is random. Interesting. And the way, the reason, like, my, my, my thoughts behind it is, like, it's going to sound so incredibly, like, shallow. She's hot. She's older. She can play older because she is older. But she's still hot. Interesting. And she's also a pretty good actress. And I love that she can be tough because she's in the 90s. Her roles were really tough. They were. They were all really tough women. Although I'm pretty sure she looks a lot older. Yeah. But a tin cup. I never saw that. Tin cup. But I don't know what she looks like now because there haven't been. She's like elusive now. Yeah. Yeah. You think she had the acting chops to pull? Yeah. To pull an, an Elizabeth Taylor? I think it's really. So here's the thing. I don't know that there are any females that can pull this this off. I'm not trying to like. Well, there's like, one that I have cast. Just saying. Oh amazing. my dear sweet lord. <laughs> um, Just saying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I like. I like how how uh, uh, that that young Robert Redford thing from earlier. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been awesome. Yeah. I agree. I think a young Robert Redford would have been... He would have ba- been killer. I mean, in much the same respect to like a young Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like a Thelma and Louise Brad Pitt. Yeah. So hot. Who are you casting as Martha Conrad? Okay. I'm going to laugh these, so hard when it's the okay, same. Okay, these two. Uh-huh. Have two. Well, uh-huh. I have three. Okay. Well, I had four, but I removed <laughs> Lori Metcalf. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, <laughs> Okay, two that are too old, but man, if they were in their prime, that I think okay. could have nailed it. One, a la Meryl. Okay, Meryl Who? Street. Well, oh, Meryl. I, mean, I think could do it. If you think of August Osage oh, County shoot, yes. and how vicious she was. She can be very vicious. Oh, man. The I other one, see her in this part, again, too old, I think better, Jessica Lang. I love me some Jessica Lang, and I actually could see that one. Yeah, here's the, and maybe this is just part of my damaged psyche, uh, and the fact that I am full of dysfunction. But there is something that's inherently sexy about how incredibly damaging this woman is, and I just feel like Meryl Streep is not. Sexy enough when she's damaging. That's You're fair. not going to think my person's sexy. Okay, enough. but my other one who I think is age appropriate, who I think can pull it off. Say it. I don't think you're. We're going to be the same one. Damn it, who? Laura Linney. God, oh. I love Laura Linney. Laura Linney is okay. sexy. Yeah, and if you I think about her t- in yeah. um, totally Big that. Little Lies, yes, Mystic River freakouts. Mystic River, where she plays the sort of Wait, la- Lady Laura Macbeth. Linney. Are you thinking Laura Dern? Laura Dern. Okay, Laura. that changes everything. Oh. Laura Dern. I could see Laura Dern. I can see Laura Linney more. No, <laughs> Laura Linney. I changed my answer to Laura Wait, Linney. Laura Wait, Laura Linney is in Ozark. Yes. Oh, oh Laura no, I'm Dern thinking of Laura is, Dern. Yes, Big Little Lies and Jurassic Park. Right. Is that same who you're thing. thinking of? Okay. But I changed I my answer I always, to Laura Linney. Yeah, no, that's right. Laura Linney is what I had. Written down. No, but you meant Laura Dern. I think maybe I, I meant like Laura Alf's, Linney. I like Alf's idea of Laura Linney. <laughs> I, think I, like that's Laura. I said Laura Linney first. You did, from the wrong okay, show. Okay, go on. Okay. Thank you for the inspiration. I- 
I mean, you are not going to think she's sexy enough. You'll probably have something to say. Olivia Coleman, who can do no wrong Ew. and could Who's like Olivia deliver Coleman? the shit Next. out of those monologues. She's not sexy. But I love the idea of Laura Linney. I think you are totally onto something, Alf. Thank you for yeah, that. You're welcome. Um, okay, so what about Nick? Alf, do you have one for Nick? <laughs> um, what's his name? Ryan Gosling. That's who, um, yeah, that's who Adam said, and that's who Chris Patton said when I asked them. Mm. It's Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Kind of that all-American. I feel like he's too old. He's too old to me. <sighs> you think so? Maybe in his prime. Maybe like the notebook days. Is he yes. too old? Yes, notebook I mean, days. He's like in his 40s. He right? is in his 40s. I feel like he could play, no, he probably couldn't play 28. Come back to me on that. Okay. I have two. Love it, Hoodie, huh? One is Aaron Taylor Johnson. Love him. I think that's an excellent idea. Go on. He can play like reckless and yep. crazy, but he's like handsome and charming and yep. that. Totally the other that. one is Riz Ahmed. <gasps> I love Riz Ahmed. Who could, I think, do the same? Oh, and I like the diversity. That is a great idea. Why Thank didn't you. I cast Idris Elba as George? Now I'm wondering. My goal of casting Idris Elba and everything. He could be the bartender. You know what? He can, <laughs> and he'd bring a lot of life to it. Yeah. Um, I was thinking along the lines of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm. Just kind of that, like, naive, He's the same age kind of... as Ryan Gosling. Well, and when, when we talked about that, I realized I don't think I could do it. He's the same age as Ryan Gosling. Okay, and I'm willing to admit that that was a terrible choice. It's not a terrible choice. But you still said it. Look, you knocked it out of the park with Laura Linney. Just (laughs) hold on to that, okay? You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you, Conrad. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a Nick? Aside from the two old Ryan Gosling. Aside from the two old Ryan. I don't know. his Nick. This was just as bad as yours. Yeah. Moving on. I'm going to stay with my Nick. (laughs) Okay. Honey. Not calling you that. The character Honey. Yes, yes baby. No, uh, Honey. <laughs> what's yes, her name? Sugar. Uh, um, the the one from Mean Girls, the blonde ditzy one. The, the, the Amanda Seyfried. Yes. Interesting. Yes. I could totally she's, see that with those wide eyes. Like, like she's actually like like I could like she kind of reminded me of this one. Hmm. Like Amanda Seyfried. She would be weird enough to oh my do the God. interpretive dancing. It, but but. <laughs> But the thing about Amanda Seyfried is, like, she's really good at playing goofy parts. I feel like if she was trying to play a serious part, mm-hmm. she would be awkward, socially awkward enough to... Which to, would bring to, out, to, yeah, like Sandy Dennis's just awkwardness. Trying to be but, serious. I agree. I like that one. For who? Honey. Yes, baby. Not talking to you. <laughs> Honey. The yes, sweetheart. Stop. I'm going to leave you two you alone for a second. I swear. <laughs> I have two. Okay, of course you do. Who are your two? One is Emma Roberts. And oh, I can see that. Yes. Two, and my one I lean towards more, Elizabeth Olsen. I can see that as well. Um, I, th- I, I think there's a little too much um, star power with Elizabeth Olsen just because of all the Marvel stuff. I thought Carrie Mulligan. But I, doesn't Elizabeth Olsen love those indie, yeah. you know? She does. Like, she does. Down to earth. Yeah. She does. Y'all are picking the, like, big-eyed ladies. Well, I f- she kind of had big eyes. She was I like mean, a little alien She had a little alien kind of look to it. She had a lot of teeth. <laughs> she was like Giada De Laurentiis. Way too many teeth in that teeth. mouth. Yeah, I could see that. Mary Shag Kill. Let's just throw all four in there. You can mm-hmm. marry two, shag two, or kill two. 
but who are you marrying, shagging, and killing? You can only choose one elf. Like for like characters. Elizabeth Taylor can't go in all the categories. Yes, well, George, Martha, Nick. If and I'm going to be in love with her, she can. <laughs> if I'm going to be in love with her, she already is. Okay, so George, Martha, Nick, and Honey, who are you going to marry? Who are you going to shag? Who are you going to kill? I'm going to marry Elizabeth Taylor because oh. I enjoy a life of dysfunction and turmoil. Okay. I revel in the chaos. I love it. I will He's sleep shagging. with... sleep Sleeping with Honey because, like, I am the... the I would do that. Okay. You know? Okay. Um... <clears throat> Are you going to kill both guys? Or are you going to put them no. in one of the shag or marry? No. You have to kill one of them at least. Man, that's tough. I like both of them. But if I had to get get rid of one of them, Nick. Okay. He's the worst kind of dude because he's the kind of dude who presents himself as take home to mom, but in reality mm-hmm. he's a jerk. He's he's false falsely affectionate. He's just he, he's got all the qualities of a narcissist, but he may just not be as emotionally, you know, damaging. Right. But he's probably, he'll probably end up cheating. Like, he's obviously already oh, willing yeah. to cheat. He's already willing to cheat. Yes. Well, he tried to. Well, he, he, it's part of his plan. He just couldn't get it out. It's part of his plan. Yeah, right. he fully it's admitted active, that. It's like, part of his plan to shag yeah. a couple of... Earlier the, in the drunken evening. Yeah. Like, not even at yeah. the end yeah. of the drunken right. evening. Nick is probably comes across as the the american boy next door but in reality is probably the most despicable character for me Interesting. yeah i totally agree with that what would you do with george where are you putting him in my pocket where i could care oh. for him and, <laughs> and show him so all marrying martha and george yeah, that's where i could just Tell him everything. You can be okay. Eiffel Tower the rest of your life. So, so support him no matter what he does. You write that book, George. You write that book. Okay, whatever makes you happy. It's just you just got to put your best in, George. So you're gonna have the dysfunctional wife, and then the more like supportive. I'm gonna side piece. <laughs> um, I mean, I just need her to be. I just need her be, to be crazy enough to fuel my desire. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. Man, I feel so honored that I was your girlfriend once. Yeah, man, you know. Fits the brief. You know. (laughs) I I was probably the most sane out of any of his girlfriends. Probably. Yeah. It's all relative. I never wanted to set him on fire. You didn't, you know, no. We were only together a few months. Well, but still. Give us time. (laughs) There was, there was, there was a thing. They were all pretty much crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Conrad, who are you going to marry, shag, and kill? I think I'm going to shag Martha. Yep. Because. We are often the same on the marry, shag, kill. It's a little. I'm going uh-huh, yeah, to shag Martha. Shag I'm going to kill George. Okay. Um, I would kill Nick. I think I'm going to marry Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He's the one who would be the most financially <laughs> secure later. <laughs> we tend to marry the ones we're gonna have the yeah, I think I might marry Nick. Spoiler alert, Alfonso's choice was not the most dysfunctional. <laughs> uh, and kill honey. God, she's so annoying. Yeah. I couldn't handle that. Yeah. What are you gonna do with George? Oh, you're killing kill George yeah. and marry Nick. Yeah. And kill honey. So you're killing two of them. Yeah. You're marrying two. Um, no. 
Didn't no. you say you're gonna marry George? I'm emotionally propping up George. Okay, but <laughs> then what are you gonna do to him? It is not Mary Shag Kill emotionally prop. <laughs> well, <laughs> who are you? What are you gonna do with George? You gonna shag him, kill him, or marry? Mary Shag or kill? You have to do something to him, aside from support him. I don't know, man. This is tough. George, fit into a box, please, man. I think Mary. Mary emotional George. support. He's gonna yeah. be them both. Yeah, I'd have to. One for physical, one for emotional. Yeah, okay. I'd have to. Yeah, I guess if you're gonna marry Martha, you kind of have to take George there. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely shag Martha. Yeah. Fire. Shag her to death. Love it. Fire. I would definitely kill Honey. Yeah. Um. I would. You're gonna marry Nick. I know. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <clears throat> It's okay. You know, I'm going to marry Nick. I know, I know. It's, I'm going to marry Nick. I know. And I think I'm going to kill George. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I knew it. <laughs> what was the and one you where... You look so... <laughs> you were the one who told us stories about the bed being set on fire, and you're shaking your head. Because I have a certain amount of self-awareness. <laughs> And he's learned from it. Learned I have a certain it. amount of self-awareness. Um, I see red flags. I know what I'm getting. What, what was the one that we um, both would marry for money? Oh, it was um, uh, it was cabaret. Where cabaret, we would, we would both marry Max, Max. <laughs> for the money. And, and his, Nick is like, his partner am I the only one who would marry for love? We're like, like yes, yeah. Yes, you absolutely are. We see financial reasons to have some security Oh, it's terrible. And I'm quite he made me question so much, Alf. Um, Lori Metcalf. <laughs> My value system. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. All right. Alf, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank what you guys joy. for having me. Yeah. This was lovely. Okay, next week we will be reviewing the crime film noir. Double indemnity. Ooh, bum, bum, bum. <gasps> don't, don't. <laughs> Until then, you're <laughs> strengthening with your kids. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.